0: Isn't that exciting, what they're doing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we're proud of you guys for being a part of that and, uh, and all the different medical personnel and non-medical personnel who are participating this year to uh, be a blessing in Central America. Um, if, you, if you got a, a bulletin this week, I'd love you to reach into that bulletin and pull out the insert. So there's, there should be an insert in, in there that says, Hearing God on it, and uh, just, if you got it out, wave it at me to let me know that it's actually, yeah, okay, lots of waving, thank you. Okay, so in that uh, insert, let me just, before I teach this morning, before I jump right into it, let me just quickly um, uh, share a little bit about what this, what we're, kind of journey we're on. We're on a six-week journey uh, in a series called Hearing God, and there's three significant parts to it. One is the teaching that happens on Sunday mornings. You're here, so you made it. Good. You can tick that box off. Uh, number two is we're, uh, scripture readings through the weeks. So last week, if you weren't here, I'll, I'll tell you what you would have you missed, and that is to read through John's, John's gospel, chapters 1 to 5, and the book of Psalms, chapter 1 to 5. So The good news is, even if you missed last week and you said, oh, I'm already behind and I won't be able to keep up with everybody else, don't fret about it. If you actually start reading, like, let's say five times a week, every weekday, two chapters a day, you'll pretty much catch up by the end of the six weeks because uh, the book of John only has 21 chapters in it, and Psalms are reading all the way up to Psalms 30. So um, anyhow, I'll just tell you that. If you start reading uh, two chapters uh, five days a week, Monday to Friday, you will be, uh, you'll catch right up. So don't even worry about it Uh, you can you can be a part of it still and then the other part is that people are meeting in groups either their life group is meeting at the end of the week to talk about what they've read in in the Bible and also maybe uh, what they've heard as they've been listening for God to speak to them and also we're offering a Tuesday night group a special hearing God seminar that our prayer pastor Laura Blackman leads and it's got lots of practical uh, practice time, I guess. It's a practicum. It's practice time to practice hearing God and to listen for his voice. So those are some of the things that are happening. Well, I want to just quickly recap last week because it was the first week and we tried to set the stage for a lot of stuff last week. And if you missed it, I wouldn't want you to totally miss out what we talked about. Uh, let me give you this, a quick summary. I talked about the principles in the Word of God and the promptings of the Spirit of God and how they make really great tag team. They really work well together. And encourage people to make the teachings and commands of scripture what you live your life by. So that's the principles. Make God's principles your policy. is what I said. Basically, if you see something, a command or, or in, in scripture, and you realize that that's what God requires of you, why not just make that your policy, the thing you always do? Why not just make your life simpler and uh, and just um, make that your policy. And that will actually make most a lot of your decisions simpler. Make a lot of your decisions simpler. In fact, you'll have so many areas of your life where you'll come to it and go, boy, I don't. I already know what I'm going to do because I've read the Word of God and I've chosen to obey it, and your life will be simpler. And you'll have a, a blueprint starting to form in your life, a wonderful blueprint. The more you engage the Bible and the Word of God, you'll have a wonderful blueprint of all these different things uh, Decisions that are pre-made for you. That's what a policy is. It's pre-made. Every time you come to the same decision, you already know what the answer is because you already know that you're going to obey what God says in his word. So it really uh, emphasized that. We started, we wanted to really make sure that we uh, start there. We talked a little bit about Charles Spurgeon and he's an incredible example because he was a guy who taught people not to be driven by their impressions. Not to be driven only by their impressions. But yet, he received impressions from God, or what I called promptings last week. And so, when he received a prompting, he was open to the prompting that the Spirit of God gave him, and he actually utilized those promptings. He got information or knowledge that he didn't, it wasn't from what he studied or learned or read in the Word, but it was beyond that, and he actually used those promptings. So, I encourage you to follow, uh, even though his, I wouldn't necessarily agree with him on all of his theology. I'd agree to follow his example. Don't be driven by impressions. Don't, don't say, I'm going to not read the Bible and only just listen to God, and that's all I'm going to do. Don't do that. But at the same time, as you're reading the Bible, as you're paying attention to God's Word, also be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the promptings that he'll bring, uh, and like Charles Spurgeon, put them into action. So principles will help you make most of your decisions, but there are decisions that principles alone won't make for you, and that's where the promptings of God will often come in. So I would love to have a church full of people anchored in the principles of the Word of God and sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit of God. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I think that would be a great outcome, and hopefully this series can begin to take us a little bit in that direction. So welcome to hearing God, week two. Her name was Julia. She was an exchange student from Germany, and she was attending, uh, while she was here in Moose Jaw, she was attending Cornerstone Christian School. And Julia uh, had come out with our youth group out to Kettleston Camp, and while we were there, we were just, it w- the camp wasn't on, but we had just, it was a youth night, it was a Friday night with our youth group, and we'd gone out uh, to have some fun on the beach and and go boating and do different things and then we went up to uh, pastor Alan Buchanan's cabin and as we were at his cabin I had a uh, exercise for them I said I'm gonna give you all a sheet of, of paper and on the sheet of paper there is one of the Psalms and Psalms is a part of the Bible it's there's songs but there, there, there's, anyhow, I, I, I took one of these psalms and I put it on the piece of paper, photocopied it, and I gave it to everybody. And I said, I want you to just go out into the bush or wherever, just get alone, and I want you to read this several times. Just read it several times. And maybe something will stand out to you. Maybe there'll be things you'll observe in there that you think are significant. Uh, maybe they'll just be interesting to you. I'm not sure all that will happen when you get alone reading the Bible. But just go and do it. And so these guys, all these students, they took off and they, they went off on their own areas and they began to read. And, you know, eventually, you know, the time came for everyone to call, come back. So we called them all together. And Julia... Face was transformed. She was so excited, and when I got some everybody sort of debrief, you know, what'd you get out of that exercise and stuff like that, and Julia could hardly contain herself, and she said, "I heard God for the first time. I heard God for the first time." Now, Julia had been going to a, a, a Christian school. So, there would have been Christian students and there would have been Christian teachers. And I bet along the way, Julia would have heard someone say something like, um, something along the lines of, that they they sensed what God wanted to say to them. Or maybe God did say something to them. Or or they sensed that God was leading them into something or guiding them in some way. And so, here's Julia, who, uh, when she came to the school, was not a follower of Jesus, she wasn't a Christian. And she began to hear people talk about the personal uh, relationship that people had with God. It was so personal that God would actually guide and direct them in their life. And this was probably remarkable to Julia. And, of course, she went out and she read a psalm. And through that experience, she came back and said, You know what? I heard God for the very first time. Why do we need to hear God's voice? Why do we need to hear God's voice? Or I I actually, that's my title, but you know, I put a subtitle under it. I was just sitting there looking at it and I thought, you know what? Another question we could be asking is, why does God allow people to hear his voice? Why does God allow people to hear his voice? I mean, that just seems like too much. I mean, he's already given us way more than we deserve in giving us his word. His word is so precious, so valuable. The Bible is amazing. I mean, if that's all he gave us, wow, that's good. That's amazing. More than we deserve. That's thrilling and and amazing. But why why would God also allow people to sense his guidance or, 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 or bring a prompting into their life for a certain direction or to actually hear his voice? So I want to give you three reasons here today why I believe uh, three reasons, and there could be more stated than these, but these are three that I want to share with you. Why do we why do we need to hear God's voice? Why does God allow people to hear His voice? I think here's the verse one, the first one. So so Christ Jesus can function as your Lord and King. So Jesus can function as your Lord and King. Now this is the part of the relationship with God that's about Direction and guidance, maybe even knowledge and strategies about how to do certain things. Uh, Matthew 11:12 says, says this: "From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been um, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing." Sorry, I'm reading out of a different translation than probably what you have on the screen. The kingdom of God has been advancing. So, the kingdom of God—what is that? That's where Jesus leads people like a king would, right? Where he gives direction and guidance and commands and says this is what needs to happen. And people respond. And many, many, millions and millions of people, in fact billions of people, recognize Jesus as their king. And so, uh, this kingdom is advancing. There's more people all the time coming into this kingdom. Coming into a, a relationship where they recognize Jesus has the right to guide and direct them. So that's what Matthew tells us. Then 1 Peter 5.8 tells us about a wrinkle in this plan. So it's great. God's directing people. They're doing what he wants. It's it's an expanding, growing thing. It's really good. But here's the other side of it. 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So not only do we have this great leader, our king, Jesus, who's leading, we also have this other spiritual force that stands in opposition, and that is uh, the enemy who stands in opposition. So it's a battle. It's a battle. There's a conflict And if any of you, and I know especially Moose Jaw, we have military personnel or community, you know one of the most important things to win a battle is good communication. It's absolutely essential that you have good communication in order to win a battle. So why do we need to hear God's voice? It's because God wants to communicate with us strategies, direction, guidance that will help us in the battle that we are in. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, this is God speaking, neither are, your, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So you might say, man, I can figure out how to do this God thing, how to walk with God, how to serve God. I, I've got some thoughts about that. I've got some ways that I think I could do that. But what if God says, you know what, those thoughts and those ways that you have, as noble as they might be, might not be what I want you to do. Because you can't see the same, from the same vantage point as God has. In fact, if you could see from the vantage point of what God has, boy, that would really change what you do. You know, let me share a really crazy story from the Old Testament. 2 Kings 6, 11 to 12 says, it talks about the king of, of Aram how he wanted to set ambushes for the king of Israel. So two nations, like just physical nations at war. And uh, he wanted to set these ambushes for for the king of Israel. But every time he'd set an ambush, the king of Israel would find out about it and he would dodge whatever strategy the king of Aram was doing. And so he got so mad. Let me read about to you how mad he was. It says, This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of you is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, there's a traitor. There's a mole. There's a double agent. Which one of you is it? And this is their response. Crazy. This is crazy. This will blow your mind. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Isn't that crazy? The very words, when you're scheming, you're saying, next time I'm going to get the king of Israel, I'm going to set up my cavalry and my archers and my spearmen and I'm going to be right here and he's not going to see it coming and he's telling his wife that late at night. He says, God is giving Elisha that information that he thinks is so secret that no one can know. He's giving him that information. This is a crazy story. You might say, I can't even believe that story. But this is, this is what the word of God tells us. The very words you speak. So I might not know a danger around the corner. I might not know all the scenery of the battlefield that I'm in. But God does But God does and sometimes he chooses to show us some of that it's an amazing amazing thing second Samuel this is again more battle stuff if you're really into battle stuff you like these verses second Samuel tells another story about another king King David and uh, he was the king of Israel the second king of Israel no yeah second king of Israel second Samuel 519 David inquired of the Lord now another nation had come to attack the Philistines. David inquired of the Lord shall I go and attack the Philistines will you deliver them into my hands and the Lord answered him go for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So he went straight up and fought them and, he, and won next year basically the same time they had sort of a rhythm like there was a season where men where kings went to war in those days they just sort of you know it's fighting season let's go have it on Next year, the Philistines come again. Second Samuel 5, 23. So David inquired of the Lord. Hear that again? He inquired of the Lord. First time he said, God, will you, will you help me win this battle? If I go to fight the Philistines, am I going to be successful? And go. You will. And he did. So he inquired of the Lord again. And this time the Lord answers differently. He says, don't go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. That must have been a certain location. So two different years, two different, I mean two years, but basically the same battle with the Philistines, but different strategy the second time around. A very specific strategy given by God who knew what would work. Let me give you a New Testament example. And I shared this with you in, just in passing last week, but I didn't share the scriptures with you. I want you to read it for yourself because I think it's, a, it's amazing. Acts 16, 6-10. It says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Hear that? They were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, is there anything wrong with preaching the Word of God in Bithynia. Or in the province of Asia, as it was said here. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you went by the principles of the Word of God, you'd say, well, we just got to preach the gospel, the truth about Jesus everywhere. But God is a great leader. He's a great leader. And so when they went and they said, man, let's just... Bithynia—that'd be a great place to go. If they were actually prevented, they were—they were told, "No, you can't. Don't go here." Well, where do we go? Well, the answer came in this—this this dream or this vision. A man from Macedonia said, "Come, help us." And then they knew where they should go. So. It's one thing to say, well, I've got the principles of God and it shows me that I should share my faith or I should take the gospel to all corners of the globe. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus. It's so awesome if they could know about him. It's one thing to know what the principles are in the Bible. It's another thing to actually work it out in real life. And it may be that God wants to share with you a specific strategy or a specific guidance or a specific step of direction. It's right, not left, or left, not right and so it would be really important for us to be sensitive to the promptings of God. To have a, a hearing ear to hear what he might say so that he can function as our Lord and King. Here's the second one. Why do we need to hear the voice of God? Why, why, is it, why, why does God allow people to hear his voice? So God can function as your father. So God can function as your Father. First John 1 John 1.3 says, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. That's relationship. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So fellowship with the Father. Or relationship with God as a Father. So in what ways can we experience God as our Father? Romans 8. 16 tells us one way I, there's many but I'm going to tell you just a few of them Romans 8:16 says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children So what does a father do I have 3 boys I have 3 boys my third son is adopted So ter- first two are natural born they've got some of my genetics and some of my wife's genetics mixed together wonderful combinations and then my third son Is adopted so one of the roles i'll probably have continually in my in my third son's life and in my older boys as well is to assure them to assure them and for my third son to assure him that he's every bit my son as the older two are i want to assure him that's a father's role to keep saying you will always be my son i will always be there i will always have your back i will always love you this is permanent This is an unchanging reality. You are my son. I am your father. Now. God does that. God does that. Isn't that amazing? That God assures his children. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now. I think there's lots of great verses in the Bible that can talk to you about the the, uh, assurance of whether you belong to God or not. In fact, I think in the spring, I, I did a whole message basically on that. But, have you ever thought of taking that question to God? Of taking that question to God? Because Scripture says that His Spirit will assure us that He is our Father and that we are His children. So, I mean, good teaching is a part of that. The principles of Scripture, I think you start there. But as you go further, it may be that God just wants to deposit a reassurance inside your heart that you belong to him. Now, if you don't belong to him, God won't do that, right? But I'm just saying, maybe that's something that we should do is, is go to God as our Father for that area of assurance. Here's another area. I, won't, I don't have the scripture up there, but you know the Christmas story. Uh, you've heard it a little bit in the last season because we're really close to Christmas, but Joseph, Joseph, gives uh, a, a, uh, an angel visit him, and, and is, he's warned not to stick around in Bethlehem too long, but to actually go to Egypt so that uh, Mary, obviously his wife, and then Jesus will also be safe. So here's a dad uh, being prompted um, to keep his family from danger. And I think God does that too. I think God does that too. I think he warns his children. I, I had a neat story just after I spoke last week. I had several people come to me, and a few different ones shared times where they really felt like they heard God's voice. It was really neat. And one of the stories that came out was someone just saying, I parked my car in a certain parking lot, and I went inside, and did some stuff, and then I had this strong sense, this strong sense that I felt was from God that I was supposed to move my car out of that parking lot. So I went outside and didn't know why I was doing this, but I got in my car and I moved it out of this parking lot to a farther away parking lot. Doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? And then I went back inside, did some other things, came out later to the old parking spot to see someone who was parked there being towed away. And obviously... You weren't allowed to park there. But didn't know that, but just felt this strong prompting. I thought that was a really neat story. It reminds me, actually, of the many stories I've heard from people where they had a strong sort of uh, something inside of them say, watch out. Or, I mean, not that those words, but like a sort of a, uh, something sort of like where they felt sort of a check on the inside. Sort of like a, uh-oh, or I shouldn't do that. Or um, maybe it was a word that just sort of said, do this, don't do that. And they... Responded to that prompting and it actually kept them out of harm's way. And many people share stories like that, um, just like an angel coming to Joseph saying, "Hey, take your family to Egypt." So as a father, he warns his children. A good father would do that, right? Say, "Hey, kids, you, you, you gotta be careful," or "Hey, don't run in the, the streets," or or, uh, "Or watch out for this." That's what a father does. Listen to this one, 2 Corinthians 1, to 3-4. It says, Praise be to the Father, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Uh, to boil it down, as a father, God comforts his children. God comforts his children. Now, the word of God is, I mean, the Bible is full of, comforting, uh, comforting stuff. It's full of comforting verses and passages and concepts and principles, full of things that will bring comfort to your life. But this is the thing that amazes me. That should be enough. But yet God, in his, in his ability to do whatever he wants, he sometimes brings comfort to people just with a thought that comes to mind, or a word, or or something, where they'll simply suddenly realize, "Wow, God is bringing comfort." I'll give you an example to that later when we look at the Apostle Paul in a few moments of incredible comfort. But that I'll save that for a little bit. But he's like, as a father, he comforts his children. Psalm 16:7 says, "I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even at my, even at the night, my heart instructs me. I will praise the Lord who counsels me, as a father he counsels his children." And here's the last one in the father section. As a father, he is affirming and affectionate with his children. Now, this is, I was surprised by this one. I was surprised by this one. As I, when I grew up, you know, I grew up as a kid in the church and sort of understood that, you know, God was there and he was holy and he was just and he was to be obeyed and, and uh, respected and all those things. And, and to be loved, too. But I didn't really understand how affectionate God himself really is. And I'm just going to share two verses with you, um, but I've really come to see that God is so affirming, so affectionate. And sometimes he will speak into someone's life the words that they cannot get from any other source. And whether it's bringing a scripture back to mind, or whether it's just... Like simply letting someone know that they're loved by God. That is such a powerful, game-changing reality when you realize you're loved by God. When it comes home and becomes personal. I mean, the Bible's full of it. You read it in the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You just see God's love for humanity evident in the Bible. But sometimes... And I've seen this, and I've heard this where people said, "I didn't get it, I didn't get it, I didn't get it, but it, in a moment, God just really downloaded it to their hearts, "I love you." And it changed the game in their lives. Let me give you these two verses. Luke 3:22 says, "The Holy Spirit, this is, Jesus is being baptized." And uh, he comes up out of the water, it says, "And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, "You are my Son whom I love." With you I am well pleased. The first my first buddy from high school that got married, Dave, when he was his dad got up to do like sort of a, I don't know, whatever, welcome to the family, or some one of those many speeches you do at a wedding. But he got up to do a speech, and first thing he said, he pointed to Dave, who was his only son, and he said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. There wasn't a dry eye in the room and it was it was a midnight wedding you know Germans don't cry but they were crying everybody everybody in the room was moved because our hearts ache for that kind of affirmation we want that kind of love and here was a dad Willing to be vulnerable enough to just get, be very real in front of people. Say, I'm so proud of my son. I really love my son. I'm so pleased. In fact, he intentionally chose the words of God spoken over Jesus to speak about his son. It was a beautiful thing. It was a powerful thing. And you say, man, I want that. I want the love that the Father, God, Father God, has for Jesus. I would love that. Well, let me give you some good news. John 17, 23. This, the, it starts sort of halfway through a sentence, but it says, I and them and you and me so that they may be pro- brought to complete unity. Then Listen to this. Then the world will know that you sent me. And also the world will know this. The world will know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Forget about the world. What if you and I knew that God loves us even as he's loved Jesus? Would that change the game for you? If the ache in your heart, the longing in your heart, it says, man, I wish I had the affirmation of a father. I wish I had the affection of a truly uh, affectionate father. And then you read it in black and white that God loves you like he loves Jesus. The same, those so you back it up and you realize you are my son whom I love or you are my daughter whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That love and affection is ours through Christ. Wow. That's mind-blowing. So why do, why do we hear God's word? Why, why does God, you know, be so wonderful as to, to, to speak to us? Well, he wants to be our Lord and King functionally. He wants us to experience what it's like to have him as a father. But here's the other one. So he can be your life. So he can be your life. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. You are are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing so we draw life from god like a branch draws life from a vine and if we do that we'll produce godly results in our lives that's what fruit is godly results in our lives so it's the life of god coming from jesus and into us matthew 4 1 to 4 Uh, it's a a temptation in the wilderness and, and it says Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry the tempter came to him and said if you're the son of God tell these stones to become bread and Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God nourished by the word of God and again I'm totally pointing you back to the Bible as the regular source of nourishment in your life. But, God, it isn't just the principles and the teaching and the commands and the wonderful revelation in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit also will speak to us. Encouragement, strengthening, nourishment. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God longs to sustain you in very difficult times. He longs to sustain you in very difficult times. And he'll use the word of God, he'll use the Bible, the Spirit will bring those things back to you when you're in a difficult situation. But there'll also be promptings, there'll also can be times where God will speak to you uh, very specifically. I'll give you an example here. Jesus' words in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That's pretty awesome. That's what Jesus spoke to his disciples. Now, the Apostle Paul was a follower of Jesus, who came to be a follower of Jesus after these early disciples. Not long after, but a little bit after. And um, he, because he was talking so much about Jesus, he got arrested, and uh, this was things were looking bad. And let's you, I want to say simply, death was in the air. Um, what, I'm going to read out of Acts 23, but just before it, um, there was such an uproar about him that he was almost shredded, like the Bible says, torn to pieces. Because there were so many people wanting to get at him and kill him. In fact, the Roman soldiers who were in charge of ruling Judea at the time had to actually jump in between him and a mob and haul him away to safety. Well, to prison, but to safety. And so that's what happened before you read this verse. And what happens after this verse is the next morning, 40 men make a vow that they will not eat or drink again until Paul is dead. So, I don't know if you've been in those scenarios before. (laughs) Maybe you have. I haven't. Where life is hanging by a thread. People are out to get you. They have pledged with their lives that your life will end. So death is hanging in the air. He's in prison. He's only because of the Roman soldiers is he still alive. Discouraging? You bet. So, here's the thing. Paul knew what Jesus said to his disciples. I give you my peace. Right? He knew that. So that's enough. I mean, that's already an incredible grace of God that he would give us a record of what Jesus said to his disciples. And that applies to all of us all the time. So you can hang on to that. You can say, "My, the peace of God that Jesus gives is mine in Christ. I'm hanging on to it. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm looking to that. But you know what? God, in his graciousness, gave him more than that. And this is what happened. Acts 23.11 says, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Jerusalem. So, I mean, the word, he already had, you know, most of the, you know, he would have had the Old Testament. He would have had the teachings of Jesus. He would have had those things. So there's loads in there that could have encouraged him. But God, in his mercy, in his grace, in his goodness, decided to visit him and to speak to him and to say, take courage. That's just how good God is. That's just how good God is. I want to tell you a story. When I was uh, in my 20s, and uh, I just started working at, I, I worked at two different churches. This is the first church I ever worked up at in northern Saskatchewan. And um, there's just two staff in the church, myself and the, and the main pastor, the, the senior pastor. And uh, I was the youth pastor. And we'd gone to some sort of conference where there's going to be speakers, and I didn't know anybody who was speaking. The main guy was some guy from South Africa. i never uh, met him before, heard of him, or knew him at all. And uh, anyhow, I was taking some time to pray, and I was reading through my favorite book of the Bible. I think it's been my favorite for many years. Philippians, it's my favorite. And uh, it's so quote-worthy. I think it's everyone's favorite. Come on, it's so amazing. And uh, I'm reading through Philippians, and I'm reading through the second chapter of Philippians, which is a super famous chapter, and I actually come to the back end of the chapter and I find verses that I don't ever recall reading before. I don't ever recall reading these verses before. Let me read them to you. Philippians chapter 2, 19 to 22. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus, this is Paul speaking, the same guy who had the death sentence over his life. He's, he's writing this. I hope... In the Lord Jesus, send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive good news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. I mean, I'd read through the whole Bible, but somehow this had never leapt out at me. And sometimes hearing God is simply that. God illuminates a verse, and it jumps out at you. It grips your heart, and you go, oh, wow. And that's what happened to me there. I was like... It's like this was written for me. I don't even remember reading this before. I've read Philippians so many times, but this has never jumped out at me before and it 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 instantly turned into a prayer. I back then I used to journal very I was single, so I had lots of time. So I journal a lot. And I I wrote in my journal basically my prayer and it was this. God, would you make me like Timothy? Would you make me like Timothy? I see the relationship Timothy had to his leader, his mentor, Paul. Would you make me like Timothy to my lead pastor, Keith? I want to be like Timothy was to Paul. I want to be like that to Keith. He's a good pastor. He's a good leader. I want to be so dependable. He can send me into any situation. I want to be, I I want to, when I go there, to have a real care for the people I'm, I'm meeting with all these things that I see in here I want I want Keith to be able to say I got nobody like Steve he'll care for your soul he's dependable he's looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ so I I asked God for that God make me like this please make me like this this is what I want anyhow it was amazing I would say I heard from God in that moment. And I would say this story is enough. But that's not the end of the story. That night, it's the, the, the church service is on, and, and they, the preaching's been good, the, the singing's been good, it's all been good. We get to the end, and this guy from South Africa says, "Well, if you want someone to pray with you, come on up, I'll pray with you. I'm from South Africa." We pray better in South Africa. I don't know what it is. But anyhow, so I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I always am eager for prayer, right? Because I need a lot of prayer. If you know me, you know I need a lot of prayer. (laughs) Anyhow, so I I go up to the front, and this guy um, comes over, puts his hand on my shoulder, and and, uh, I've never met him. He's never met me. We have no connection whatsoever. He puts his hand on my shoulder, just sort of pauses for a minute, and he says, no, he quotes these verses. Now, until that morning, i never noticed these verses. These were not familiar to me until that morning. Now I'd written them in my journal, and I'd written my, and so he quotes those verses to me, and I thought, whoa, like that is awesome. That is awesome. Then he says, you've asked the Lord to become like Timothy to your senior pastor. I could have hit the floor. I could have hit the floor. I actually, like I'm supposed to be in the moment with him, but I actually turned and looked around because I was like, where's my journal? He read it. And I look, and there's my backpack zipped up, my journal's in there, and I'm like, I am I am trying to come up with a, a reason for how this could happen. I'm trying to rationalize it. But I realized I couldn't. I realized, and, I'm, and so I'm actually having to accept the fact that God knows my address. He knows that I'm in northern Saskatchewan. No one else in the world knows I'm in northern Saskatchewan. But he knows. And he's heard my prayer. And that's basically, this is what the South African guy just said to me. He said, you prayed to become like a Timothy to your senior pastor. And God wants you to know he's heard your prayer and he's going to answer it. Did God have to do that? Did God have to do that? I had his word. That's enough. I don't need, oh man. God is that good? Oh. I remember visiting my first mentor, Lauren Tebbet. I sat down with him and I, and I said, man, so many good things are happening in my life. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening. I said, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. And he just stared at me, shaking his head. I thought, "Oh, I'm in trouble. I don't know what I said." But what did I say? I said, and he said, "You don't know what you did to deserve this?" He said, "Have you heard the gospel? You don't deserve anything." <laughs> but God is that good. God is that good. This week I was reading John chapter 4 and it hit me again. It hit me again. Is the woman at the well. Jesus has broken cultural barriers, racial, racial barriers, uh, socioeconomic barriers to have a conversation with her, a very pivotal conversation. And she, he asks her, um, would you get me a drink of water? That's how it begins. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink of water? You're breaking all these barriers. What are you doing even? And Jesus responds. He's already broken the barrier, so he's not even going to talk to that. He talks to something totally different. He says, if you knew who I was, And if you knew the gift of God, basically that I have for you, you would ask me for water. In essence, if you knew how good God was, if you knew how good his plan was for you, if you knew that, you would break every barrier. You would tear down every obstacle. You would climb every mountain. You would swim every river. You would not let anything stand between you and that. Because God is that good. God is that good. You know, the the answer to my question that I asked at the very beginning, why would God allow people to hear his voice? Because he's just that good. He's just that good. He's just that good. Who? I want to end with the exercise, but I'm looking at two minutes to twelve. Can we put that scripture, Psalm one twenty one, up? I want to just take a few minutes, just like Julia out in the wilderness reading a psalm. That's what we're going to do, except we're not in the wilderness. I want you to read a psalm. I want you to at least read it three times, would you? And here's the thing. We're going to pray before. Lord, Father, we're just going to read your word. We're going to read this psalm. And if there's anything you want to speak to us, if there's any way you want to words to jump off the page or maybe you're going to speak something that just we need to hear in this moment from our father from our king from our lord from the one who is our life we're open we're listening we're going to give you our full attention amen let's just take some time maybe you got some music just some quiet music you can play but look we're going to read this read it at least three times and just listen Maybe he'll speak to you, maybe he won't. We can't conjure up God, but let's give him our full attention. stand with me maybe you have something from even just reflecting there that you've got to share I hope you can share it over lunch or to somebody else in the in the this today and maybe in the days to come but let's pray one more time Lord you are so good you are so good no matter what kind of picture we can paint about your goodness, you're better than that. You're better than any description that we can form out of words. You are better. And I thank you that when we get to know you, we get to know your goodness on deeper and deeper levels as time goes on. You, you reveal more and more of yourself. How you are our king, you are our Lord, but you are our father and you are our very life. So Lord, I, I pray uh, throughout this week as we read John, as we read the Psalms, as we take some extra questions with us to journey with and, and to ask of you, I, I pray that there'd be a greater, greater sense of your goodness as you lead in guide, and as we make ourselves open to hearing your voice. In your name, amen. Thank you for coming this morning. As you're taking home your homework this week, reading through Psalms, we're 6 to 8, and John 6 to 8. You'll also notice there's extra questions in there. My encouragement is to take one per day. And just when you get to the end of your reading time, ask one of those questions. Just sit, ask the Lord, listen. You might get something. Write it down. If you don't get something, don't even sweat that. We're not trying to make God speak. We're trying to give him our attention so he can speak and be heard. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, our prayer teams will be up front. And we'd love to have time to pray with you this morning. But God bless you. Have an incredible week.